welcome to a spooky, I don't know, it's a Halloween episode of Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. I'm your not very spooky host at all, um, Jeff Hall, however I am dressed for it. And uh, with me, as always, the amazing and very tolerable <laughs> co-host. Patrick Terry. Hey, buddy. Hey. The tolerable came, you know, is obviously for last night. So, um, yeah, thank you <laughs> for tolerating the watch party of cats. So, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Surprisingly, yeah. no no nightmares. No nightmares. <laughs> no I mean, uh, emotionally scarred, maybe, but so, uh, I probably have some subconscious things going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something will trigger, and like, oh, okay, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah well now you can say you've gotten it over with and you know i i can't give you any more grief about it yeah it's done I can, it's done can't walk away from it you got it out of the way <laughs> wash your hands of it just like i did the first time but um yeah so um before we get into that uh you got any, what's new with you man anything uh not really it's I was been keeping it pretty simple, boring, <laughs> not doing much. Not okay. much. Oh my goodness. Um, cool. Well, uh, as we talked about at the end of last week, uh, York and I watched the sixth Fast and Furious uh, movie, along with Owen Shaw, and the uh, the flip car. Basically, they took a <laughs> Formula One racing car, put a ramp on it, and tricked it out more or less, and flipping cars, trying to, yeah. you know, evade on a car chase. So it was pretty sweet. And uh, brought back Letty. So from <clears throat> from her supposed death in the fourth Fast and Furious movie. So I had to get into all of that, you know. So that was interesting to try and break down. Yeah, and uh, but he enjoyed it. No, he he's. I think he's really enjoying the movies. He's definitely liking the cars. Um, so today we're going to attempt to get through uh, Fast Seven, so which mm-hmm. introduces Owen Shaw's brother, uh, Declan Shaw. So yeah, Deckard Deckard Shaw. There we go. Yeah. So enter Jason Statham into the mix. So we'll get through this, and I guess uh, next week we'll do uh, Fate. And then I guess uh, we'll do Hobbs and Shaw, and then we'll start. And then we'll just kind of start at the beginning, I guess, and do one. Yeah. If he's still interested, if not, then I mean, that's fine too. But he seems to really be enjoying them, so and I enjoy watching it with him. That's good. But, yeah. So we uh, we did uh, we did watch that. It was it was fun. Trying to explain everything and um, and seeing how things turn out. So, um, but yeah, uh, no family movie nights this week. Uh, we attempted to mm-hmm. watch, was it a babysitter's guide to monster hunting or something like that? It's on Netflix. Um, we, we made it f- five minutes, I think, into the movie. And Grayson wow. got, too, well, Grayson got too scared. So, okay. and mind you, before we watched, I showed her, I showed both of them the trailer from the movie. Or as Grayson okay. calls them, the commercial. Yeah. Um, and so what do you guys think? 
And, of course, Grayson's is usually no or good. Good. I'm like, all right. Uh, York's like, yeah, let's, I mean, the monsters look ridiculous. Because she, he thinks the animation looks really poor. But, yeah, mm-hmm. she's like, no, the animation's fine. It's still kind of, you know, but she thought she can get through it, you know, that it wasn't too scary. I was like, you don't think it's too scary? And she's like, no. Five minutes in, yep, too scary. So um, they couldn't agree on a movie. Mm-hmm. So we ended up just uh, watching Pokemon, uh, one of the Pokemon iterations um, okay. for like a couple episodes before bed. And that's what we ended up doing. So um, so I guess the good way to say that uh, is Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, I believe it is. Probably not good for six-year-olds. Um, probably ten I guess probably 10 and old, you know, nine, 10 or older. Cause yeah. So there you go. That's my non family movie review. <laughs> <laughs> Just judging by how we, uh, how we had to do it. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, man. Um, and that, I guess a good week. I'm still going through, um, cause I'm after watching, um, totally under, under control, which I wanted to hold off talking about this week. I'm maybe next week. Um, okay. If we can try and get the director, that would be amazing. And if it's only for like 10 minutes, you know, because he's obviously very busy having um, two movies come out in a very short amount of time. I'm sure he's doing a lot of press, but I'm still going to try and reach out. Um, I'm actually going through, trying to go through his 53 credits that he has. Um the director, Alex Gibney, he's done a lot. He did, he was the one, if uh, y'all remember a couple weeks back, I talked about a documentary uh, called Agents of Chaos. Uh, he directed that one as well. So, and he's directed a bunch of other movies that, or documentaries that you may have seen. If you watch the Scientology documentary, Going Clear, he directed that one. Um, he directed the... Uh, drawing a blank i go right the other day i go right on off top of my head uh the inventor where it talks about elizabeth holmes who had this like this new inventive way of taking a test and running a test with only a couple of droplets and it turned out to be a sham uh you know a sham business just but she tried to keep telling people that yeah it's it's coming, it's coming, but they're having to use other other scientific uh, machines to actually run the test. The one that the machine she created or came up with um, could not do it. So, anyways, it was very good. Um, and then a bunch of other ones. I always recommend, but definitely recommend looking them up on IMDb and, and um, checking out, see if there's one. He's got some sports ones, too, that are very interesting um, that I haven't or at least look interesting. I haven't had a chance to watch them, but they're on my list to watch. So, all right, man. Uh, you ready to get into cats? Sure. <laughs> um, I can't remember. I should have been a better host and looked up um, what episode it was that we actually covered this. But all I know is, um, I believe I want to say it was either at the end of the year or it was first of this year. I think it was. Um, when I went and saw, according to my movie journal, where I've written all the movies I've seen for the year, it's listed 
uh, under 2020 of movies I've seen. So it had to have been like in January when I saw it. Yeah, I think it was. Um, so it's about a tribe of cats called the Jellicles. They hardly ever say it in the entire movie. <laughs> uh, and I, I made the comment that if you were to do a, a drinking game based on that word, you probably would have had to do it like every five times, take a shot. So oh, every time. <laughs> and I made the comment too, uh, was, you know, do you think the, they say the words Jellicle more or does Biden say the word come on more or listen? I guess I should say listen would be his. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Trump's would be fake news, I guess. I don't know. Or believe me. Yeah. Um, but I still think Jellicle's probably went out, out of the three yeah. That's in the first five minutes, yeah. <laughs> oh, easily. It was, I mean, it was uh, it was crazy, but um, <laughs> it was, but yeah, that that movie was. I mean, so it's about them. They must decide the uh, every year they had to decide which one will ascend to the heavy side layer and come back to a new Jellicle life, basically like reincarnation. Okay. I mean, if you want to think about it that way. Yeah. Okay. So basically, your life is crap here, and here's you should come. You should be the one to come back and a, and uh, try and give it a second shot. But like you said, it seems like a cult. It has all the, it has all the, uh, all the uh, elements. Right. Uh, the only thing it really doesn't have is, well, I guess it does, does. I guess it has a leader. I guess old Deuteronomy would be. The closest thing to a cult leader that they have. I mean, yeah. it's maybe it's a cult collective more than anything, I guess, because it's no like central leader. Yeah, I don't think anybody, any one person is a leader. It's more or less maybe a ranking system where anybody could step up and take their role. But Deuteronomy is kind of like the main focus in this one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she's the, if you want to say main focus, but yet she doesn't show up till like forty five oh, yeah. minutes into forty five minutes, almost an hour into the movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'd say about forty five, fifty minutes it takes before she shows up, and it's like crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so give me your thoughts because everybody's kind of heard my rant of sorts, alcohol induced rant. Well. I mean, I'll give it one thing. Everything just seems to flow. There's no real slowdown. You know, it's just, you know, like in movies, you have this period where they're just kind of meandering or whatever, but there's no real bog time. It's just something happens, this ends, and it just picks up and keeps going, you know. Um, I mean, the music, minus the singing, I, I enjoyed. Yeah. You know, just, just the music playing without the singing. That was cool. Yeah. Um, some of the imagery is kind of haunting. <laughs> um, so you said, I'm sorry, it sounded like you said some. Well, I mean, <laughs> some more than others. Like, I mean, everything is pretty weird. <laughs> and then when you pointed out the cats were wearing the furs of other cats, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's one of those unintentional horror movies. <laughs> yes, it's it's one of those things where you go, you know, like I mentioned in the chat, was like, Lecter, we go, you know what? This is a bit much. Yeah. Because <laughs> that one part when she shitted her fur and she had other fur but Zipped had it clothes off. on her. Zipped it off. 
Now, I was like, okay, if this was animated, cool. But since it's not creepy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Rebel, Rebel Wilson's character, Jenny Any Dots, which, okay. <laughs> the owners, whoever named her that, shame on them. Yeah. Um, probably a three-year-old. Sounds like something a three-year-old probably name. Um, but she's dancing, and then all of a sudden she zips down the middle, her skin more or less, her fur, to and she takes it off as if it's like a onesie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to reveal she's wearing like a one-piece, it sort of looks like a swimsuit, but I'm assuming it's supposed to be like a dance outfit because it's like, like got bedazzled on it. Right. And reveals that she has another layer of skin underneath, which yeah. leads me to assume that she's just enjoys wearing the skin of another cat as her primary skin. Yeah. Weird. And then, Weird. Um, let's see, uh, Jason Derulo and his CGI removed bulk. <laughs> He's bulkless. As Rum Tum Tugger has his tugger removed <laughs> via CGI. Yes. And wearing also wearing cat fur as a coat. Um, uh, McCavity, played by Urchis Alba, wearing a pimp coat of fur as, you know, just cat hair. Also right. disturbing. <clears throat> and this seems to become a theme. And I still am not sure. I'm still not completely convinced that um, Dame Judy Dench's <laughs> character, Old Deuteronomy, is wearing a cat coat, or if that's just she just has a lot of fur. Like, I haven't figured that one out. I think it was, I think it's a coat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm still not 100%, but I, I'm not, I wouldn't rule it out at the same time either. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, I think that bothered me more than probably should. Should have just gone with it because it's just a musical quit thinking so much into it but it's so like it, you can't help it because they're because not everybody's wearing it so it right. seems so out there and then um and then uh you know you, fig- you factor in too that there are several cats that also wear human clothes yeah so are so they getting like-, of, like action figures or dolls or something because it, it, it is weird <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's like somebody passed that was close to them, so they wanted to wear it as a tribute. I guess. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Because yeah. Mr. Mistopheles wears his magician's outfit mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, oh, Lord. The railway cat. Whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember, I don't remember most of the names. Conductor's outfit. And then uh, yeah. the, not the Gregory Hines cat. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I forgot who else. But yeah, I was just like, man. And then, you know, they did, they went to great lengths to make everybody look like cats, except human hands. They didn't actually CGI like paws or even practical effect give them paws. Yeah, they could have. They just didn't. Give, give them it gave mitts. me paws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they could have given them some prosthetic. Paws, just to you know, maybe have like the very tips of the finger, you know, where they can have it. But yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of throwing off. <laughs> nope, just chilling with regular hands. We're good. Yeah, yeah, Mut- mutated cats. <laughs> That's why I'm like, it's 
this is like some crazy ass like I went to Dr. Moreau nonsense going on. Yeah. So But yeah, but like I said, I was like, this probably would have been one that I would have really wanted to walk out of. Because <laughs> yep. when, when it was going through, it was like, yeah, I think about this point, I probably would just tapped out. Jeez. <laughs> <sighs> ah, but, you know, but considering it wasn't as bad as another movie I tried to watch that I actually cut it off after 15 minutes. So just got that going for it. There you go. And like I said at the end, I go, now imagine all of this, but with cat buttholes. <laughs> that were originally supposed to be in there. There's plenty of close-ups where, yeah, I'm glad they didn't. Yes. More I, know I, I know I joked about it, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> and then, uh, and like I said, it, it won uh, it, it won six Razzies. And I actually wrote them all down. Hold on. Let me get to the page here. Um, so it won a Razzie for the worst picture of 2019, worst supporting actress in Rebel Wilson, worst supporting actor for James Corden, um, worst screenplay, not a whole lot of words for a screenplay. So, (laughs) right. right. I, I don't know how they did that. Uh, worst director, Tom Hooper, worst screen combination, it won two, or actually no, the it won worst screen combination. Any two half feline, half human hairballs is what won. Wow. It was also so what? Uh, let's see, nominated for four more um, worst scream combo. <laughs> Jason Derulo and his CGI neutered bulge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, sorry, just three. Uh, worst actress, uh, Francesca Hayward, who played the lead. Yeah. Um, worst supporting actress, Dame Judi Dench. It did, and it was nominated for a Golden Globe uh, for Best Original Song, Beautiful Ghost. So that's the one she sings out in the middle of the street. Yeah. Okay. To, uh, to J HUD. Yeah. So that was our uh, horror movie of cats. <laughs> so speak. horror movie it was. <laughs> but you uh, know, and here's the, you know what the worst part is. I think my daughter would probably would like this movie, and that to which I will not tell her about or show her about. I'll let her discover that one later on. Yeah. Hopefully the musical first. Yeah, I mean, like. I think the movie. If if you're a fan of the the play, you'll probably enjoy it. Maybe. No. You don't think so? <laughs> okay. I, I, Not I even that. Mind, <laughs> I actually didn't mind the musical when I went and saw it. I actually enjoyed it because it was something different. And mm-hmm. I think people that go to the see the musical, you know, they go to watch the acrobatics because there's more acrobatics in it than than uh, there are in the movie. Yeah. And. You go for the costumes because costumes are pretty good. The music's not bad. It's not the worst music, you know, for a musical. It's just right. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but it's definitely not the best Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, musical either. So, um, but yeah, you might. I mean, the younger crowd, I mean, younger crowd getting nine. Um, <laughs> it's all like it probably just because 
um, because in the music and dance, you know, like my daughter, I'm a, you know, like my daughter will probably like it because of the, there's a lot of dancing and music and, you know, it's, um, and looks like it would probably be more fun for them. I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to showing it her just to get her opinion and, uh, you know, worry about the therapy bill, worry about the therapy, um, bills later. Yeah. Cause if she likes it, then you'll be watching it for a third time. And if she really likes it, yep, I will put headphones <laughs> in and just let her do her thing. And I will, uh, have my iPad and watch something else. <laughs> no, I kid. I'll watch it. Uh, At least the first time, because if she really likes it, she's going to watch it more and more. Yes, she will. And that's my fear. <laughs> that's my fear. I mean, I mean, the dancing was cool. I mean, I gave it that, but it's just everything else around it. Just kind of a hot mess. I don't. It comes like okay. All the, they probably just should have put unknowns in this, <laughs> but I think they well, put the no. Were. And I think they put the well-known actors in here just to get people to come. Yeah. You know. Financing, really. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Financing. And then, um, that was another thought I had. Like, when post-production, when you're editing all this together, they actually sat there through all that and was like, yeah, we're still going to release this. <laughs> oh, and they released two days after it was scheduled, or before, before it was scheduled to be released, they wanted to add more. Um, they wanted to update the CGI. Like I think they released it. They released a version and then released a different version with updated CGI. And that mm. might have been the Sans buttholes. Thinking. All right. <laughs> so, but yeah, happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> um. All right, we'll move on. Um, I guess it's my turn to go first this week. Um, well, you didn't go first it? last week. I think it's. I don't know. My, my, I think it might be my turn. Yeah, uh-huh. I'll go. For, I think it's my turn to go. Man, knock yourself out. All right. Um. <laughs> so it was it was rough trying to find something to watch this week. Um. But uh, first one I'll talk about is called Rattlesnake. It's on Netflix. Came out October twenty fifth of twenty nineteen, and it's only an hour and twenty five minutes. Directed. Zach Hilditch, and it stars Carmen Jogo, Theo Rossi, and Emma Greenwell. Uh, the, the way I kind of sum up the movie, eh, for this, it's kind of like um, sometimes getting help from strangers isn't a good idea. Oh. <laughs> All right. So uh starts off following Katrina and Clara. Katrina played by Carmen Jogo and her daughter Clara. They're starting over, and they're traveling from Phoenix to Oklahoma. And Katrina's not really good for flying, so she chose to drive. And they happen to make their way through Tulia, Texas. <clears throat> uh, they experience a flat tire, and uh, Katrina is trying to fix the, uh, change the tire out, and her daughter's just kind of playing on the side of the road. But then Clara gets bitten by a rattlesnake. Yeah. Um... You know, her mom goes to check on her. She has a very severe bite on the leg. And then she picks her up. The next thing you know, there's a, a trailer on the side of the road that wasn't there before. <laughs> so she decides, well, let's go to this trailer. Walks inside. What's the worst that can happen, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Walks inside, and then this lady emerges from one of the back rooms. And she's like, you know, of course, she apologizes for barging in. But she explains that her daughter was bitten by a snake. She needs help. 
So the woman agrees to help her and says, hey, that tire is not going to fix itself. <laughs> but, uh, but, but nothing, but nothing, but nothing clicks. She, she leaves her daughter with the woman, leaves to go oh fix God. the tire, and then comes back to the house. But the woman's gone, and her daughter's laying in the bed, but the injury's gone. Like, there's no bite marks or anything. There's still, like, um, a mark through her clothes that shows that a snake bite happened, but her skin doesn't show the injury. So another, so she's weirded out by that. But another weird thing is when she walked in, there was like a little radio playing music. But then when she walks out, it's a record player. So I was like, okay, she didn't notice that, maybe. But she just she takes her daughter to the hospital and to get checked out. And the doctor, the doctor says that she's fine, other than dehydration and whatnot. And she tells her what happened, and the doctor just basically sums it up as hallucination because of the driving, you know. So, um, she checks her daughter again. Everything's good. Then this mysterious man comes into the room, wants to talk about repayment for what happened to her daughter. You know, she's thinking, oh, hospital bills and whatnot. Say, no, no, I'm not not talking about hospital bills. Um, Your daughter's soul was saved. So, in order for repayment, it's a soul for a soul. And you have to sundown to, to, to take care of this. Meaning... She has to take a life and it has to be a human life before sundown. Otherwise, her daughter's going to revert back to having that snake bite. Let her have the snake bite. <laughs> <laughs> she get over right. right. I mean, come on. She's already in the hospital, so yeah. yeah. But we'll worry about her soul later. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've got a cult for that, all right? Exactly. So... <laughs> They were in Texas. They weren't in the Appalachians. No, they're in Texas. Oh, okay, damn. All right. Wrong. So, <laughs> have to be a different cult. Then. So she decides to. She wants to check into a hotel because doctor suggests she needs sleep while her daughter's dealing with the dehydration. Yeah. So she goes back to the scene of where her daughter gets bit. Her tires still there, but the trailer's gone. And then a 18-wheeler pulls up, and this man walks out, and, you know, she's like, hey, I'm good. You don't need to help me. But as she gets closer, you see that he's been shot, and an eye and a couple shots in the chest. And, you know, she's freaked out by that, closed her eyes, but when she opens yeah. her eyes, you know, like, he's standing over and says, makes a comment about her daughter going to die. She needs to get to it. She closes her eyes and opens them back up. He's gone. Truck's gone. So it's like, okay. So she decides to do a, a Google search and she looks up murders for uh, for the town and she comes across different cases where people have died. And one of the people that died was this truck driver and it explains what happened to him. Then there was like a, a woman hitchhiker and then a lawyer and the lawyer was the same man who came into the, ho- the hospital room talked about he she needs to repay her debt. Uh-huh. And so... The mystery behind that, right, um, she watches a video about the guy that got arrested for killing him, and they said that he was spouting out um, soul for soul as he was killing him. So, just buy another... some shoes and say, here, here, two souls. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, so stupid. Uh, after that, it just, I think it just kind of falls flat out of that because they don't really dig deep into these murders like it's like they they present this 
Then it goes on to her, her mission to try to figure out who she's going to take out to save her daughter. Hmm. Um, she even has this thought to kill kill this old man in the house in the hospital that's dying already. Yeah. To do that, and then she's you know she she gets a gun, and she's she basically just trying to figure out who she's going to take out to save her daughter. Okay. Um, and leaves with the question is you know will she succeed or not? But um, let's see. Again, it doesn't dig deep into why this happens. Is the ta- is the town under a curse, or you know, if so, what's the origins? And it just kind of ends without really explaining anything. So I thought it was a cool concept, but just execution just kind of fell flat. Fell flat. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I've been having that happen a lot lately. <laughs> with the movies yeah, I, I watched. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, I watched it mostly because uh, Carmen and Joe. I, I like her acting. Mm-hmm. And um, outside of that, the performances are good. It's just there's not really any meat to it. You know, you think gotcha. it would be like, a, you know, all oh, this town has a history of people dying and having to kill people and but nothing, nothing like that. So so it doesn't have a whole lot of bite. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to let that one go. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was too funny. But, um, but yeah, that was Rattlesnake. Okay. Yeah. Um, second movie. I did watch Bad Hair. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's on on uh, Hulu. Had a release of October twenty third of this year, hour and forty two minutes, directed by Justin Simeon, and actually had a budget of eight point nine million. Um, oh, that's actually pretty good. That's a decent well, size. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's right in the meat of a horror movie budget. Yeah. Usually, you can make a decent horror movie between five and ten. So right. eight's like right in that sweet spot. So it's got a it's got a pretty decent cast, uh, but uh, just to name a few, uh, stars L. Lorraine as Anna. You've got uh, Vanessa Williams that plays the plays Zora, Jay Farrow who plays Julius, uh, Lena Waithe who plays Brooklyn, and like and the way they 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 cut the name is like Brooke hyphen Lynn L Y N N E, but Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, Kelly Rowland makes appearance. She's uh plays Sandra. She's like the big star of the movie. Uh, you have Dawson himself, James Vanderbeek. Yes. In this. Plays Grant Madison. Uh Usher Raymond has a has a bit part. And then okay. uh Blair Underwood, uh Amos, who plays uh, Anna's uncle. So <clears throat> it's set in nineteen eighty nine Los Angeles, and an ambi- ambitious young woman gets a weave in order to succeed in the image obsessed world of uh music television. Uh but then she learns that her new hair May have a mind of its own. Um, Anna works as an assistant at Culture TV. And during this time, new management takes over. And Culture TV is kind of like an MTV type uh, mm-hmm. network, but it's more Afrocentric. I was going to say okay. it's like ET, but no, it's more it's more, more in the vein of how MTV used to be, but just more Afrocentric to it. Gotcha. Um, so... Falling ratings causes this this management changes. So old boss Edna is out. Zora steps in. The um, first move that they make is to suspend all their current programming, with the exception of The Block, which is one of their shows that has had exceptional ratings, so they're allowed to continue. Uh, it's hosted by Julius, and he actually kind of has had a relationship with Anna. And come to find out, Anna was the one who actually came up with the idea of The Block but she wasn't marketable, so they gave it to uh, Julius. 
Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> another change is the the name of the network. Instead of culture, they're going to call it cult. Um, of course. Yeah. Uh, something. <laughs> right. right. There's a lot of cult things going on this week. Yep. Um, Tis the season. Yes. <laughs> so some of the staff is let go, even though the the premise at the beginning was like, you know, this is just us trying to fix things. You know, we're not going to you know, try to restructure. But, of course, they go against that. And then Anna has an interview with Zora uh, when she um, shops a new idea for a show. And Zora, she's interested in it. But so she tells her, you know, just come up with a proposal. Give me all the details and everything and we'll look into it. She didn't expect Anna to actually have a proposal already prepared, and she just hands it to her and already prepared. And so Anna wants to host this show, but Zora says, you know, yeah, you came up with this idea, but your look needs to change. So she suggests for her to go to this shop to get some weave put in. And so when she arrives, this is one of these kind of upscale places. And, of course, they're overbooked. And so she goes to one of the hairdressers and talks herself into getting getting um, a, a chair so she can get her hair done. And when she does, you know, she's very tenderheaded because of an experience when she was a kid. Um, I believe it's, it's either her sister or her cousin puts in the relaxer, you know, to her hair. Mm-hmm. And she leaves it in too long. And she has this, like, mark on the back of her head as a, you know, like, I'm, it's weird because she was a kid, probably about, 10 years old when this happens, but she still has that mark from when the chemicals burned her scalp. Oh, okay. And, but she's very tenderheaded. So while she's getting her hair done, she actually passes out from the pain. Oh, wow. Yeah. I uh, I don't know if that happens. I've I've never, you know, I've not, so I don't know. But, um, I sure as hell wouldn't know. Right. Yeah. I don't have an affair. (laughs) Um, so from there, It just, you know, she starts learning. Well, she starts having some weird experiences. Mm -hmm. So one thing I can say, because they kind of show it in the trailer. um, She has a cut on her finger and her her hair goes to the cut and actually inserts itself into the cut to the point where she has to pull it out. So apparently the hair feeds off blood. And it doesn't matter what kind of blood. Into a a scalp, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they even show when she's getting the the weed put in. Like, there's, uh, it's it's it, it seems painful. So yeah. just what women go through to for for beauty and everything. But um, so I will say one experience. She has a a landlord her about paying her rent, even though he's went up five hundred bucks. So this last time he comes to her and tries to assault her. We'll just use that word, and. Gotcha. The hair comes to the rescue and basically takes him out. That's when she learns that her hair is evil, basically. Um, I don't want to say too much more because yeah. uh, it's more spoilerish. Yeah. But um, I think overall the movie was it was entertaining. It's a horror comedy. I think more of the comedy comes toward the end. Okay. Where everything kind of hits, um, but there's like little drops here and there of some some dark humor. Um, okay, it's one of the first movies I've seen Blair Underwood in where he's not the enemy. He's not like a bad guy, some douchebag. Oh, no. So I was like, okay, right. this is this is refreshing. 
you know, yeah, he's not right? some this douche is, husband. That's probably what he was thinking too. It's like, oh, yeah. this is refreshing. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> right. Um, but um, it doesn't really dig like okay. So I was trying to say like as far as entertainment business, how image is everything, how you look, yeah. marketing and everything. But it doesn't it doesn't dig deep into it. It just kind of glosses over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like tries to have a message in it to just be yourself no matter gotcha. no matter what but it doesn't dig deep into where i feel like it probably could have um okay so it touches it touches, it touches on, on. but it, it just didn't go to the root of the problem there you go there you go <laughs> i'm all about the bad puns today apparently More <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but i think I it's worth watching okay uh, but it's definitely it's clearly got a particular audience so if the subject matter is not your thing, you're probably you might not like it. Right. But, uh, yeah, but uh, it was enjoyable to me. Yeah, I, the trailer was enough for me to go. No, I'm good. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, this looks terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it 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 could be pretty scary, but it's kind of than anything, I okay. believe. Yeah. But okay. yeah, it's worth checking out. It's got a 65% rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now, so that's not okay. terrible. No, yeah. it's uh. Better than what Cats is, so good job. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I even watched some review. I mean, read some reviews on IMDb for Cats, and there are some people actually defending it, saying like, "Oh, it's just people just being too harsh on it." I'm like, no, no. But yeah. maybe that's just your thing. You're yep. one of the small percentage I mean, of people. This is what you're. This is what you like. So, and yeah, and just real quick, I, one thing I forgot to mention when we were kind of wrapping up our discussion mm-hmm. on the Cats. Um, like you were saying, as far as the pacing, just kept you know kept moving, kept moving, kept moving until they got to the Jellicoe Ball, and then it seems like it kind of just slowed down. Oh yeah. yeah. And then you know parts tried to speed it up just to slow it back down again, and so it was on a good pace even when it took a chance to breathe for a uh, more for J Hud to bring the you know to bring everybody down. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, it wasn't long enough to until they said, "All right, we're getting back to the party," and then you know started uh, picking back up again. But then it just it just seems even like it, at the towards the end of the numbers and everything towards the you know once they got Jellicoe Ball, it just seemed like it everything kind of slowed down and I don't know. It just seemed like it was like two different styles of pacing, and it yeah. I think, by, I think by then I might have gotten numb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that could be too. <laughs> that could be too. Uh, but that's one point I meant to make, but I didn't get a chance to. So, okay, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> I guess it's my turn. So I watched. Uh, I can actually honestly say something I don't think I've ever said before. I watched two Sasha Baron Cohen movies <laughs> this wow. this week. Um, yeah. Um the first one I watched was the uh the trial of the Chicago Seven. And I had seen a very interesting documentary, could not for the life of me remember the name of it because it had been thirteen had it been thirteen years? Because it came out in 07. Okay. There's a documentary that came out in two thousand seven called Chicago Ten, because I eventually found it. What it it's it's a documentary of sorts. I guess, let me rephrase that. I guess it's kind of like this one where it's a narrative-based movie, narrative-based documentary movie. 
So it basically what I'm saying is what they took, they took uh, like real photos and real court documents and then they animated a lot of it. And then they had voice actors for the characters in the movie, you know, for the real life people. So they were able to animate and from the court documents. Since it wasn't recorded, you know, like a live recording from the from any of that. So it was. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, so it made me think of that because I thought that was really creative how they did it and thought it was very interesting. So I had a little bit a little bit of a background yeah. about the events that occurred. So this movie uh, came out on Netflix Friday, this past week. Um, it is written it is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, so it's a lot of walking and talking, or in this case, standing and talking. <laughs> um, it's the uh, real-life story of the seven people on trial um, stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. It stars Eddie Redmayne as Tom Hayden, Alex Sharp as Rennie Davis, Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman, Jeremy Strong as Jerry Rubin. Uh, Jeremy Strong, if you watch the show Succession, um, plays the least likable character. Well, I mean, that's saying something, because there's a lot of... Anyways, um... He plays the oldest. He's the one that actually won uh, an Emmy for Best Actor. So, um, John Carroll Lynch, who's been in a ton of things, as David Dellinger. Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II plays Bobby Steele. Mark Rylance plays William Kunstor, um, or Kunstor. Uh, hashtag JGL. Joseph Gordon-Lovett plays Richard Schulz. Um Let's see. Frank Langella plays the plays the judge Julius Hoffman, not related to Abby Hoffman. He's so good at being such a bad guy in this movie, being the I guess one of the villains. Uh, John Doman as John Mitchell, Michael Keaton as former Attorney General Ramsey Clark. Yeah, I mean it's a huge cast. I mean it's Sorkin, so he can attract a huge cast like that. Um, as most people know, Sorkin did, you know, West Wing, did The Newsroom, my favorite, one of my second favorite HBO show next to The Wire. Um, Sorkin also did The Social Network. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, anyways, so this movie follows, follows the trial. Like, basically, you open up at the trial, beginning to start. But it flashbacks to the events that occurred to, that stemmed up to this to their charge you know to them getting arrested and put on trial and then um while also following each day you know what's occurring this the acting is amazing as you can imagine um sasha baron cohen's really good he doesn't he doesn't, as I like to say, he doesn't Jim Carrey it, <laughs> or okay. he doesn't try and do his shtick, you know, kind of what Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler tend to do in a lot of their movies. They kind of just do their little shtick thing that they're known for. Um, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen can actually play a dramatic role because um, he's a good actor. He's more, you know, commonly known for his either allergy stuff or his Borat stuff, 
But he can actually act like in a serious role. And he does a great job. Now, he is kind of the comic relief in this one, as is Jeremy Strong's um, character, Jerry Rubin. They're both kind of the... Basically, they're serious about their cause, but they're very, I guess, don't take a lot of things seriously at the same time, I guess is a good way to put it. You know, um, very jokey-jokey. So, but this... You know, this movie doesn't strive to be a comedy. It just puts those things of levity because that's just really what those people were like. Right. Um, they're just over the top, you know. Abby Hoffman loves being on camera because he can ham it up, you know, and just, you know, get more attention. And if he feels like that that's the only way people under- pay attention to their cause is if he kind of gets on camera as much as possible. And the people want him on camera, because, or the you know the news and everybody want him on camera because he's good TV. So, whereas other people like uh, Eddie Runman want to be, are a little more you know about the cause, kind of do things the right way, just go through the process. Um, so it's, um, but it also kind of goes through, and they're all basically parts of different parts of like organ, you know, uh, civil rights organizations. Like they all represent a different group. But they're all coming together, kind of like their own convention almost, um, to protest the DNC and kind of more or less protesting the war more than anything else. They're just protesting it at uh, Grant Park in Chicago. And, um, and so it follows all the everything up to there. It's done very well. Sorkin does a good job because he's great at writing scripts and writing dialogue. That's like one of his strongest things. As a director, he didn't do bad. I thought it was good. Um, I probably would rewatch this. I thought it was a very watchable film. Um, it doesn't seem to really drag. I mean, there's a couple of spots, um, maybe a couple of scenes you probably could have taken out. But for the most part, I thought it was done very well. Um I could see this probably getting maybe a couple of nominations uh, when it comes around to award season. That's not really that far away. Uh, if you think about it, cause here we are the last week in Rocktober and uh, you know, here in the next month or two, they'll they're supposed to be, you know, hypothetically that's award season uh, be coming up in, you know, couple, you know, a couple of months. So I could see this because of its release time still being fresh and people, you know, in, in the minds of those submitting things for nominations. Um, I guess uh, originally Spielberg was attached to direct. Uh, he was planning on meeting with Heath Ledger to discuss the role of Tom Hayden. Ledger passed away the day before uh, he was scheduled to meet with Spielberg. Um, Spielberg also wanted Will Smith to play Bobby Steele. Or Bobby Seal, I mean. I think Will Smith would have been too over the top, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Because um, Bobby Seale's character is a lot more reserved, but it's reserved anger, you know, just that you can see it in his face because his character was denied, um, in the you know, his character was denied uh, repre- uh, a lawyer, more or less, because he kept saying, because he's not, it's like, I'm not with these guys. Their lawyers are not representing me. And he keeps telling the judge this and the judge keeps telling him, you know, sit down and be quiet. 
right, and right. he never gets representation because Bobby Seale is basically uh, aligned with like the Black Panther movement. So of course the judge is not kindly on that. So, uh, so he trying to represent himself. He wants to cross examine the witness. And the judge basically says, you can't, you know, that's reserved for lawyers. He's like, my lawyer is so-and-so. So and he was like, you keep repeating that. Stop. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's bruh. This entire movie. You're just like, how the hell did this judge get away with it? Like this is just right. bonkers. And you're just like, what the hell is going on? And then you kind of have to remember it's the late sixties. And, but he ended up, uh, like the judge got so many marks, you know, by lawyers and people in the in the uh, in the law field, he got like low marks on objectivity. Like he was not known to be a good judge at all. So um, he, I don't think he lasted on the uh, on the bench too much longer. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen admitted that he was terrified of having to do an American accent for the film. Uh, he had he had used a few different variations of the accent before comedic reasons, uh, but you know, uh, for comedic reasons, but never did a dramatic role. He knew Abby Hoffman had a unique voice, having a Massachusetts accent, but also having gone to school in California, and was worried he would, you know, quote sound wrong. Aaron Sorkin had to reassure him that the role was not an impersonation but an interpretation which Baron Cohen claimed did not help much. <laughs> um, I thought his accent was fine. You know, he, he did his, uh, you know, going to the park, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but also, but also was able to make it sound like he wasn't trying to overdo it. Cause he's not trying to make everything sound Massachusettsy. Um, so I could see that. I was like, well, he's not doing a bad job. I mean, his, his and Redmayne both, because they're both British. Um, yeah. I, in American accents were great. Um, as a method actor, Jeremy Strong um, begged writer-director Aaron Sorkin to get him tear-guessed as well as being thrown on the ground by an ex-cop portraying a riot police officer. Uh, Sorkin refused to have that happen on set. Uh, I don't get that. But all right, man. Um, Amblin Partners initially shut the film down during pre-production due to budget concerns, but Paramount Pictures joined the project with Cross Creek to co-produce and co-finance the film. Um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Bobby Seale's charges got, uh, they were able to actually declare his a mistrial. So, cause he was the eighth person. So with him gone, yeah. and made the rest of the trial yeah. set. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was good though. I would recommend this. I think it's very well done. Uh, you know, just moderate violence and moderate, moderate, uh, you know, some cursing, but not, other than that, it's a great film. I mean, PG, PG 13, maybe. PG-13 because of the violence. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, that was that was a good movie. Um, another great movie from Netflix. Uh, 
So the next one I watched was Rebecca. I've as a as everybody knows I'm a Hitchcock fan, so this is a remake of the 1940. I want to say classic, not one of my favorites. Um, I I like it okay, but it's by far not one of my favorites. <clears throat> the 1940 uh, original 1940 um, Hitchcock film started Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine, I believe. Um, it was produced by David uh, David Oselznick, directed by Al- Alfred Hitchcock. It was nominated and won for Best Picture in 1940. However, Hitchcock did not win Best Director. In fact, Hitchcock never won Best Director. He they basically he got like the the honor, you know, the he got an Oscar posthumously, which is a crime in and of itself. But uh, they awarded him one posthumously for his body of work. Um, but he, yeah, so that kind of sucks. Like he, they won. That's and that's the only uh, Hitchcock film that's won Best Picture, which was his first uh, American film too. Okay. All right, fast forward, you know, sixty years <laughs> um, to this version. Uh, Directed by Ben Wheatley, who basically has done action movies, so it's so why not do a I would say a, a mystery. Um, so this stars Lily James as uh, as our lead, and Army Hammer, uh, as well as Kristen Scott Thomas, and um, Ann Dowd has like a small role, but I like her a lot. So it's about a young newlywed that arrives at her husband's imposing family estate on a white, on a uh, widespread English coast and finds herself battling the shadow of his first wife, Rebecca, whose legacy lives on in the house long after her death. So basically, they they meet uh, in Monte Carlo. She's working as not a servant girl. What do you call this? personal assistant, I guess is what they might call it now. <laughs> um, okay. You know what I mean? And then they meet, and then uh, they fall in all, you know, she's, the person she's working for finds out about their their kind of, not really affair, but their relationship that they started having. And then mm-hmm. basically, I guess, is more jealous than anything. Uh, so she decides they're going to leave and go to New York. And so... Basically, she'll never see him again. So that's when, you know, as they often did in the 1940s, he, he, he just goes and proposes to her. And that's how they stay together. And they get married while in Monte Carlo because that's what you do, I guess, back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know, right? Um, anyway, so then they get married. They go back to his estate, uh, Mandalay. So I will always remember Mendeley. All right. Um, anyways, they go back. She meets uh, the head of the house, um, Mrs. Danvers, who's played by Kristen Scott Thomas, who's probably the main reason to watch this film. Her acting is superb. She's cold as ice. Uh, very. God, I just that's probably the best way to put it. 
Um, she tries to show that she's um, getting. Uh, she's very. I don't want to say set in her ways. She. You find out she started on with Rebecca when they first married. Mm-hmm. When uh, Maxim Army Hammer's character, when Maxim and and Rebecca first were married, uh, she came along with Rebecca. She's known Rebecca ever since she was a kid. So, you know, when six months after her passing, her mysterious passing, um, she, you know, she or he remarries, and then, you know, Willie James shows up, and they're like, "What is?" You know, basically, she's like, "I don't know. I already don't like you for no reason, pretty much," because right. she's still holding on to Rebecca and all. Of, she sets her up. You know, she does a lot of kind of low, low kind of sneaky things to her. And I'm like, dude, she, and she's just like, listen, I'm like, I don't even like I just married the guy. I don't know what else going on. I'm right. you know, she's trying to be respectful for Rebecca and everything. She's not trying to, like, overstep any bounds, change the way things are done because she's not of that world. You know, she's mm-hmm. from lower class stuff. Both her parents are dead. So she doesn't really have any family. So this is basically all she has. And they're doing all these, or she's, Mrs. Danvers is trying to cause all this trouble, more or less, for for Mrs. DeWinter. And it's, yeah, it's, um, and there's a big scene. Um, she tries to, um, she tries to uh, throw a ball, a masquerade ball, like they used to do. Try and have some sort of, you know, so she can meet new people for one thing. So you know, it's a big house. She kind of wants to throw a party to kind of, you know, bring people back in and kind of liven things up. So the she sees this painting up on the staircase that is one of her favorites, and Mrs. Danver says it was one of uh, Maxim's aunts that, you know, like one of the first nurses or doctors and you know, women doctors in England or something like that. And mm-hmm. turns out it was actually a portrait of Rebecca. So not knowing that she tries to, and she tries to remake this dress and it looked just like the painting. Well, at the same time, not realizing that that's Rebecca. And then when she shows up, you know, it's very, there's, it's a big scene, at least in the 40 in 1940 original, it's a big, you know, kind of, scene and this one it seemed like a the way they shot they'd been shooting it and the tone they were going for switched up at like this one scene and it became like a different movie for like five minutes (laughs) and then kind of went back to the i'm like what the hell was that (laughs) like (laughs) i was like is this a different cut of the movie like what's going on here and so i kind of that part kind of bothered me. The acting's okay. Other, I mean, other than Kristen Scott Thomas, hers was amazing. Um, but Army Hammer's fine. I mean, I only, I think he's an okay actor. Um, Call Me By Your Name, I think, is still his best work. Um, but the, you know, the other stuff I've seen him in, Social Network and Lone Ranger, you know, name a couple other Army Hammer movies. Um, I yeah. think he's fine. And he's, I mean, he's a, fine actor he's not one of my favorites not one i'm like searching for but I'm like okay yeah he's fine 
Um, Willa James was okay. Um, she, I think she tried to do her best with what she had. Um, the materials, I think, hard to. It's hard to uh, translate. I think because it's based on a book first. Um, it just, I don't know. It's frustrating, I guess, is the way, best way to put it, which I've always had a problem with this movie. I think that, I think if they would have focused and made this more of a murder mystery, as in to her really trying to search into how Rebecca really died and made it more that than just her trying to get used to the house and the weird things kind of going on because of her death, they would have focused more on that, made that more of a central part, maybe her trying to figure out more sleuth-like type of thing and adapted it in that kind of way, I think it would have serviced the movie a little bit better. Because um, there's parts that just are kind of dull. Because it tries to be parts romantic, parts thriller, parts, you know, mystery. And it's just... Yeah, it was tough for me to... I mean, again, the first one is not one of my favorites, but it's... I think it was done a little bit better. The directing, you know... Not trying to be biased, but the directing was done. It was done better. And it just seems like yeah. an odd movie. If you're going to pick a Hitchcock classic, it seems like the weird one to kind of choose to to remake. But, I mean, it's 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 fine. So, I think some people like it, and it won't be as, I guess, maybe biased as I am. But, again, um, even as somebody that's not, it's not his favorite <laughs> movie, but... Um, you know, it's, it's fine. It's a serviceable movie. I guess a good way to put it. <laughs> All right. Lastly, real quick, because um, I really don't want to spend too much time. I decided to go ahead and watch the new Borat movie, which this makes my second Sasha Baron Cohen movie. Borat subsequent movie film. And it has a the full, full title is Borat subsequent movie film, colon, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Okay. <laughs> yep. And that's pretty much all I got to say. Um, it's a follow-up to the 2006 comedy centering on the real life adventures of a fictional Kazakh television journalist named Borat. Um, basically he sent to, because of, uh, the film he made in 06, he's made Kazakhstan a laughing stock. So in uh, in order, the government is, um, he was placed in a gulag for 14 years. And so now he's being sent back to the, uh, the government and sending him back to the U.S. And he is supposed to bribe Mike, the vice president, Mike Pence, with uh, one of their most prized people uh or prized uh government officials which is a monkey named johnny johnny something i forgot what it was but it's it's not that important really um when borat goes home first uh you know to, before he leaves he just you know he meets you know he's uh tries to say hi to his wife who turns out is now living with um his neighbor and uh you know left him for his neighbor his his three sons that are grown don't want anything to do with them 
and even took his clothes. And he has a daughter named uh, Tutar who who lives in essentially the barn and not even given a proper cage, as she likes to call it. She watches an animated film that is supposed to be kind of like Cinderella, except it's an animated film called Melania based on the First Lady. And so she's wanting... Her dream is to become a... uh, Is to be... As she put it, I think, uh, held up in a is to be prisoner in castle uh, and be, you know, where she could be a prisoner in the castle and look as beautiful as Melania is more or less what they're what she's going for. Okay. Um, so basically, he leaves to go to the US. She sneaks aboard the crate in which the monkey was supposed to be in, arrives, turns out she ate the monkey. So now the government. So now the uh, now the government is wanting her or wanting him to offer her up to the vice president as a bribe, I guess, more or less. Um, So they and these are all they have scenes involving real people that are not in on the fact that this is all fiction. So they're filming all this more, I I guess, somehow hidden camera, I guess. I don't know. but you know they through her meeting through tutar meeting different people and everything they're able to she's able to find out what um basically women empowerment more or less throughout this film she's able to learn things how to um be a woman who can take care of herself and not rely on her father or or other men she can um do things herself she has goals now um, mm-hmm. from learning in these interactions with these diff- various different women, these various different situations. And um, so as ridiculous as this movie is, just like the last movie was ridiculous, this one actually kind of has this message of father and daughters running to form a relationship. And Tutar's character actually has an arc, actually has a character arc. Um finding out what it's really like to be a woman and to be a woman in America, you know, trying to, you know, basically climb the ladder. Um, and as far as, uh, trying to do better for, you know, make, do things better for herself. You know, there is the compromise of people who haven't heard by now. There is a scene. It is towards the end of the movie within the last, say 15 minutes, um, where, because she's trying to be a reporter, just like a television reporter, just like her father. She uh, she wants to uh, she ends up interviewing the former mayor, Rudy Giuliani, and um, she tries to make several passes at him while during the interview, kind of flirting, which is so awkward to watch. It's so it's you're like because you know you're you know this is fake, but you also know that he is not in on the joke. And so this is so awkward watching this. Okay. And you're just like, uh, it is kind of cringy. I mean, there are parts in this movie, just like the first one, that are kind of cringy when you watch it. Um, Cause you realize they're, you know, they are in on the joke or in on trying to point out disparities or, you know, uh, social issues, I guess is a better way to put it. And that, 
it really just kind of shines a light onto what people and um, certain people's views on things are. Um, but yes, this movie has a lot of several cringy parts in it. And that final scene or that scene, that interview uh, segment, I guess is a better way to put it of that movie is kind of hard to watch. And, um, but the movie has, you know, ends and it has a, ends with a decent message and everything as far as the father and daughter bonding and, you know, and, uh, the kind of relationship they end up having. So there is an arc. There's a lot of things that, you know, people will probably not like in this film. Um, but if you're watching this film, you kind of already know what to, you kind of already have an idea (laughs) what's in, you know, what's going to happen. So, um, but at the same time, if you haven't seen the first one, it's okay. You haven't, you don't need to have seen the first one to watch the second one. I don't feel like okay. I really should have to say that, but I'm going to say it anyways, because that's what I would say about any other sequel. Um, yeah. But it is, um, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's fine. Um, as far as the actual storyline that they were trying to get across, um, that part's done well. The actress that plays Tutar, uh, Maria Bakalova, does a really good job. Um, she, like I said, she's great in, in, uh, especially in considering as far as like improv, cause that's essentially what it is. Cause you're having to go and act even though in, but not seem like you're acting. So it's, um, it's right. very convincing for, for an actress that you haven't seen before, um, in anything. So there you go. That's the, uh, Borat movie. Um, for trailers, we've got Raya and the Last Dragon, which is Pixar's new one, starring uh, Kelly Marie Tran from from Star Wars, the one that everybody from uh, she played Rose. So They're trying to give her some redemption. I like, guess we're so. sorry for what we did. Here you go. Here's a role. <laughs> Here's our bad. Here's here you get to play the weed now. Yeah. <laughs> however, you're playing. However, it is an animated film though. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways. Um, that's coming out March 12th of next year to either theaters or streaming. I'm sure Guess we'll see. Yeah. Roll that dice. Up there. That's yep. it. Um, uh, the new Tom Hanks film news of the world comes out Christmas. Uh, the trailer you posted after us talking about it last week, Chadwick Boseman's final film, Ma Rainey's black bottom Due out on at Netflix uh, twelve eight on uh, December eighteenth, and an interesting movie called The Prom uh, that is also coming to Netflix. That is coming out December eleventh. Uh, it has like a bunch of so I'll, I'll probably watch it because it has Nicole Kidman in it, and I can't help it. I, it's my favorite. Uh, a troop of hilariously self-obsessed theater stars swarm into a small conservative Indiana town in support of a high school girl who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom. So Nicole Kidman, Meryl Streep, uh, Carrie Washington, King and Michael Key, James Corden, Mary Kay Place, Tracy Ullman, Kevin Chamberlain. Um, yeah. So, uh, Directed by Ryan Murphy. So, we'll see. And then, um, The Last Vermeer uh, comes out November 20th. 
It is. Stars Guy Pierce and Cleus Bang. Cleus? C L A E S. Cleus. Um, an artist is suspected of selling a valuable painting to the Nazis, but there is more to the story than meets the eye. Dun dun dun. So. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Uh, yep, so that comes out November 20th. And that's what I got for trailers for this week. Um, like I said, today we're going to try and... York and I think are going to try and knock out Fury 7 if there's time. If not, we'll just okay. at least get it started. And uh, I think I may have him come in and talk about once we get through at least the first... I guess five if you count the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff. Yeah. Him and I will... Either we'll do a Facebook Live one or we'll... Or we'll, uh, or we'll do, or we'll, I'll bring him in here and have him give him give his take on the on the series so far. So, cool. All right, man. Got anything else? Uh, no, not much. Nothing, nothing else that I'm aware of that's out. Or I may try to knock out those uh, Blumhouse movies. Okay. I'm gonna watch the trailer again to see if they speak to me. Otherwise, it'll be something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got some that I got to get caught up on Netflix. Um, you know, a movie I think I'm gonna watch this week that I haven't. I honestly don't even know if I've watched all the way through. I know my best friend Andrew used to watch it a lot. Um, it's a old '80s movie called <clears throat> called Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Had uh, Jeff Goldblum, Ed Begley Jr., Jeffrey Jones. Um, I forgot who else. There's like a pretty good 80s cast. Um, mm-hmm. It's a comedy, um, but it's all about. You know, has, yeah, I mean, uh, what did I say? Amazon Prime, I think, has it. Okay. Because we started watching Ghostbusters, and uh, Grayson wanted to watch Ghostbusters. So we started watching. I'm like trying to think. You know, it's, it made me start thinking. I said, well, you know, your Uncle Jeremy and I went and saw this in the in the movies when it first came out. And I'm like thinking, did we? I'm like, I don't even know if we did. So, of course, I had to go ask the source. So I texted my mom and I said, hey, do we go see this in theater or do we rent this on VHS? Because, you know, video yeah. rentals. Um, <clears throat> and she, she, you know, she got back to me. She says, uh, in theater, but I think your dad took you. I was like, okay, because it came out in 84. My brother would have been four. You know, I would have been seven, six or seven, depending on when it came out in theater. And yeah. uh, I was wondering if I, because, you know, cause, you know, there's parts of that movie that could be fairly scary to young kids. So, right. just, I'm, you know, I was kind of curious about that. So, there's a, found out my answer. Um, but we started watching it, and I think, uh, but I think I'm trying to watch, try and watch that one. I'm not sure what else. Um, I see a lot of people that are upset that uh, the Charlie Brown Great Pumpkin King and all the other Snoopy specials are going to Apple TV. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, you do realize it's selling for like five bucks at Walmart, right? You can right. buy it on disc. You know, it's not the only point. They're not going to remove it from stores. It just, I mean. I guess it's just they become their tradition to watch it on TV. Yeah, I guess. I, I it's kind of like me watching a Christmas story every year. And it's like, on TNT. yeah, I could, pro- I could probably buy it. But it's just like, it's on TV. I just watch it like I normally have. And I've, I've watched that every year since... It's I been a hot how old I was. Right. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't know how old I was when I first watched it, but 
it just become a yearly thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, are you doing anything for Halloween? Taking your niece or anything? No, I don't think we have any plans for that. I think we'll just, yeah, just okay. lay low, keep the lights out, and act like we don't have candy. Act <laughs> like you don't have candy. Nobody yeah. here. Yeah. Be looking right at them like nobody's home. <laughs> no, no, no candy here. <laughs> you like the the made from family guy. Right. No, no, no candy here. <laughs> But yeah, but just be a normal day. Okay. I uh, think we're going to try and do some trigger trading. We'll see how that goes. Um, York's got his Link uh, costume. Um, we have, cool. we've got the shield we need in the costume. We are uh, got to get the sword. So get Link's sword and he'll be all set. Uh, Grayson's going as Ladybug from the Disney show Miraculous. So okay. blue hair and all. So we're... We'll probably go and do that. I may wear this very same outfit, although it's very thin. So I'm not mm. sure. Um, Might be kind of cool. Yeah. It's yeah. If it's anything like today. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess to everybody listening, thank you for listening, and I hope everyone has a very safe, very fun Halloween. No matter what you do, whether you stay at the house, whether you uh, safely go out, don't forget to watch for kids. Try not to hit them, please. <laughs> um, right. Be unfortunate. Um, watch out for, uh, you know, make sure all your tires are inflated so you don't wind up on a uh, on a stranded road next to a trailer with uh, somebody that has a rattlesnake. So, <laughs> uh, best advice I can give, probably. Yeah. Also, uh, don't forget to vote because there are, I got to do math, eight days? Oh, yeah, eight days because tomorrow would be a week. Yeah. Because <laughs> tomorrow's Tuesday. Yeah. So yep. we are eight days away. Uh, no matter who and or what you're voting for, just uh, be sure you get it done. Make yours count. So I've done there. Done my yeah, civic duty. Yeah, so, yeah, three three more three more days. Three more days for early voting, and yep. then last day will be the day of. So yeah. <laughs> so make yours count. Um, and always look after each other because you know. Yep. And uh, I guess that's it, man. So, happy Halloween. Happy I guess we'll Halloween catch, you too. And I guess we'll catch you in November. <laughs> yeah. 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 Next, All right. Yeah. Next time will be November. Yeah, yep. <laughs> See you next uh, month. Yep. End of October. Uh, yeah. Has certainly rocked. So. All it's right. Been man. one of the better months though since everything started. I'd say. Uh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> why it's called Rocktober. So it's, it's kind of like um, 2020 decided to be normal for this month. As <laughs> so, much as as much yeah, as, as much can. as possible, yeah. As much as possible. So, yeah, yep. There we go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Awesome. Well, I will talk to you later, and uh, same thing for our listeners. All right.